chapter number one, and we'll uh, commence our reading at verse number 22. Uh, guys, we've been going through uh, strategy for word time because what we want to do is make sure that uh, as we uh, get before the Lord in our prayer time and our study time, that we do have a course of action, a plan of action that we go through to help us to be able to uh, to, to adequately dissect the word of God so that we can get wisdom and understanding. Amen. And so uh, uh, we're going to talk about this. Uh, we've talked about uh, correlation uh, on last week. Uh, we did interpretation before that. We did observation before that. And we did the exercise where we look at the text. And it's important to ask questions of this text. I told you before that a good Bible study is a nosy person because when I say nose, I, see, I say that in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a way that's not condescending, but a way that's um, uh, really enlightening because you have to ask questions of the text. You have to make sure that, that if there's words in there that you don't know the meaning of, uh, that you find you a Bible dictionary or a regular dictionary to find uh, the meaning of the words. Because if I don't know the meaning of the words, it's going to impair me from understanding the meaning of the scripture or that particular sentence that I'm reading. So if there's a word in there, I don't know what it means. I don't understand it. I don't want to just blow right by it and just go on um, as if I know what it means. And I really don't because it's going it's to hinder me from being able to interpret the scripture. Okay. So, uh, but we talked about observation, uh, interpretation, correlation, uh, and then now we get into application because this, this is the, the meat of the matter because that's what we want to make sure that each one of us uh, are in a position where we are applying the word of God to our everyday life, right? So in the book of James, chapter number one, uh, we'll read um, that uh, 22nd verse. Um, and uh, it says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. Can we read that out loud and on purpose together? One more time. It says what? Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. Amen. KJV says, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Go to verse number 23 with me right quick. It says what? Uh, for if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. Next verse says what? You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. Verse 25 says what? Uh, but, uh, but if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will, will do what? Will bless you for doing it, doing what the word, doing what the perfect law of liberty tells you to do, okay? So there is blessing tied to our obedience. Is that correct? We know this and we understand this even as it relates to our upbringing as children. Uh, whenever we did what our parents told us or instructed us to do, then we, we were in line for the blessing. Is that right? If we did not do what they told us to do, then we were in line for what? <laughs> Correction. Amen. Can I get a witness? Brother Jerry, can you hit those, hit those 
turn that, it's a little warm. Um, um, so, but if we don't do what, uh, what, what the word of God, what, what our parents told us to do, we were in line for punishment or correction, amen? So, so James here is, is a, uh, writes this letter and this letter is one that has a lot of practicality in it and it's useful for us uh, as believers uh, to, to look into this book and understand what he's trying to get us to do. Because guys, I, I know uh, that, that when we study the Bible and we come up on Pastor Scripture, there may be some things in the Word that we look at and we say, well, that's hard to do, Pastor. But I'm here to tell you that God would never require us to do something that we don't have the capacity to do. If he were to do that, then he would be an unjust God, and we do not serve an unjust God, okay? So we're going to talk about application tonight, and the book of James is one that really gives us uh, uh, a, a launching point for this particular study uh, on, on application. In your outline, we say application means that we take God's word personally. It means we see how it addresses specific areas of our everyday lives. It's allowing the Bible's truths to grip us in areas that need attention and to call us to action, okay? It's calling us to action. It involves taking a passage of the Bible, large or small, and prayerfully meditating on it until the Holy Spirit shows us a way to apply its truth to our own life in a way that is personal, practical, possible, and provable, okay? So the application part is, is crucially important. So many times I think the church is hindered from being effective in reaching a lost world because when the lost world sees that we're not doing the stuff that we're talking about, it impacts our message. The message is true. The message doesn't change, but there's something about when people out there see us in here not doing what we are preaching about or what we're talking about to them uh, on the job or at home. So we got to make sure that, that, that we are honestly seeking to apply the word of God. That, this does not mean that we're going to do this without, uh, without any faults because all of us have some issues and all of us fall down sometimes and don't do exactly what we're supposed to do. But what I'm getting at is, and as I always told you, uh, we don't want to have a practicing lifestyle of falling short. We don't want to have a, a practicing lifestyle where we just uh, carelessly, without, without any fear or trepidation, do stuff that's against God's word. Because when we do that, we, don't, we are not a good representative or an ambassador for Jesus Christ. Are y'all listening to me today? Okay. All right. So James uh, takes us here in, in this book of James. Uh, and, and he, in, in this 22nd verse, in this 23rd verse, it talks about examine. Let's go back to James 1 and 23 right quick, okay? Because the Bible uh, is compared uh, really to a mirror. It says, for if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror, okay? What is a mirror for? Come on. To see, your ref to see your reflection, to see what you look like. How many of y'all, once you get up in the morning, uh, one of the first things that you do is look in the mirror? Do, do okay, maybe it's not the first thing. Maybe the first thing you do is you go to the bathroom. Is it, okay, all right, I got you. <laughs> Number one, we find the bathroom. <laughs> okay, I know. But then after that, then you you probably going to go get a washcloth and wash your face, right? Is that for the most part, right? Uh, maybe you do some other things, or maybe you go cook breakfast with, 
your face. But yeah, you got to go. You got to go do something. Okay. So when you do that, in order to make sure that you got everything off your face that shouldn't be on your face, you have to go to what the mirror. The mirror shows you what you look like, right? Because intuitively, without that mirror, you won't know that you got something in the corner of your eye or something around, you know, on, on this side. So the mirror shows you what you look like. It shows you who you are. It helps you to examine yourself. As we look into the mirror of God's word, guys, we see ourselves as we really are. And James mentions uh, some of the mistakes that, uh, that people make when they look in the mirror of God's word. I'm just sharing this with you. This is not on your outline, but then we'll get down into why application is important. We'll look at some scriptures and then we'll let you get out of here, okay? So uh, some of the mistakes that people make when they look in God's mirrors, first of all, they, they merely just glance at themselves. Have you ever just did a, a little drive-by look? <laughs> in other words, a drive-by look means that you were, you were not very, in other words, maybe you were in a hurry. Have you ever got up late for work and you were moving and, and going real fast and you and you go out the house and you and then and all of a sudden you you get in the car and you see that I didn't you know, I didn't take care of everything I need to take care of right so one of the mistakes that we make is is we just kind of pick up and just kind of cursory glance through the Word of God and we 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 get just a small glimpse of ourselves and and we don't carefully study ourselves when we read the Word of God and so. There, there, there are a lot of sincere believers who don't spend time really focusing in and studying and meditating on the Word of God. We just glance at ourselves. Uh, the second mistake that James tells us is that, that we forget what we see. So when you look in the mirror, you can't afford to forget what it shows you. There are many times when we're studying the Bible uh, and when uh, the Word is being preached, we can kind of see ourselves in some of the sermons that come across, right? We can see ourselves in some of the teaching that's going on in the classroom. And at, the, and at that moment, it resonates with us. At that moment, we say, gosh, that's something that I got to really focus on. That's something I got to really concentrate on and make sure that I'm not doing that thing which the mirror of the word of God told me I should not do. And we'll say, I know I got to work on that. But we never write it down. We never, we never put it in, in, in a position of where we can go back and look at it and meditate on it. So what happens is, is on, when Monday rolls around, when you get through fooling with them folk at work, you don't forget everything that Pastor Adams told you on Sunday. At, while you were sitting there listening to me, it resonated with you. But once you start dealing with the affairs of, this, of your life and Home life and husband and children and work and washing clothes and cooking and, and cleaning and all that stuff. You forgot what you look like. Right. So we that's the second mistake that we make is we forget what we look like. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Other people that hadn't forgotten what you look like because they'll tell you, they'll remind you very vividly. Right. They'll they'll tell you. Amen. When 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 you get on their nerves, they'll tell you when you're doing something that's off base. But we make the mistake of forgetting what we see. If we are looking deeply enough in our hearts, then 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 what we see ought to be for, uh, unforgettable for us because God is trying to change us through His Word. Amen. And the third mistake that they make is they fail to obey what the Word tells them to do. And so that's what we are in talking about application. We fail to do what the Bible tells us to do, okay? Uh, hearing is not the same thing as doing. Y'all understand that, right? Uh, 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 acknowledging 
that that is God's word and his truth, it's not the same thing as doing that word, right? Because there are a lot of people who will listen to a message, they'll, they'll, they'll go to Sunday school and they'll listen to the Sunday school teacher, but they don't do the stuff that's being talked about in the class, right? We'll pontificate on it, we'll, we'll discuss it, we'll, we'll have our thoughts and our opinions, but really what God is after, guys, is for us to apply this in our lives. So application is critically, critically important for us. So James gives us a, a, a window into that, uh, uh, the, the, the importance of us doing this word and not just hearing it because when we hear it and don't do it, it's like looking in the mirror and then going away and forgetting what we saw. And that, that's not very good, okay? So why application is important. The Bible was given to us to show us how, how, how we can have a relationship with God and how we are to live our lives his way in this world. It, it, it was given to change our lives to become more like that of Jesus Christ. We want to become more like Christ. Jesus Christ is who we want to become like. As I've shared with you on numerous occasions, our, as a believer, me personally and you personally, should not be comparing ourselves to any other believer. We should, we should, we should be comparing ourselves to Christ, and when we compare ourselves to Christ, as I always say, we'll always find ourselves lacking. There's always going to be room for improvement. So let's go back to the familiar passage of Scripture in 2 Timothy, the third chapter, verse number 16, 17. You guys should know this by heart because I've been harping on this. 2 Timothy, chapter 3. Uh, verse number 16 and 17. I've been harping on this passage of scripture uh, for a long time and because I think it really resonates and it gives us clear direction as to the importance of getting to God's word, studying it, and making an application because we, we're not going to know everything that uh, God wants us to know if we uh, detach ourselves from the word of God. So that's why it's important for us to have this corporate time that we study together it's also critically important that you have your own personal time. Look at what the text says. Verse 16, y'all there? Let's go. It says what? All scripture is inspired by God and it's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Y'all know that, right? The word of God does that. So I always ask this question. If, if we do not have time in the word, do you think based on the scripture that we're going to, there's going to be some stuff in our lives that we think is right, but it's actually wrong. I mean, come on, look, look at it again. All scripture is what? Inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our life. If we have to be made to realize that, that maybe we're, our approach to a situation is wrong, our actions in a particular situation is wrong, uh, then you know, if, if we have to be made to realize it, that means that there are some times in our lives as Christians that we'll be doing something we think we're right, but we're wrong. And the word of God should be the ultimate litmus test as to what's right and what's wrong. Not whether or not we're a Democrat or a Republican. Not whether or not we're black or white. Not whether or not we're from this side of the tracks or from that side of the track. The word of God has to become the foundation of truth by which we build our Christian faith and our walk on. So let the word do the deciding. Let the word be the, the deciding factor in whether or not what we're doing is right or wrong. So, but if we don't know word, if we don't have time, we don't ever spend time studying word and meditate on word, then we, there are going to be some stuff in our life that we think is right, but it's not right. Because the word will make us realize what's wrong. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right, all right? So Paul was writing to Timothy. He was sharing that with Timothy. And he was letting them know as a young pastor, this, these are some of the things you got to teach and preach to your congregation, all right? 
if nothing else, we don't do anything else here at this church, which we are going to do more than just just this. But if we're not going to do anything else, one of the things we're going to do is we're going to to study God's word. We're going to know how to conduct ourselves in various situations. I got to talk to you more than about healing. I, I have to preach about more than just money and finances. I have to preach about more than just marriage. I have to preach more than about just parenting. I, I have to preach about the, uh, the I, I like to preach the full counsel of God. Because if you don't get a full diet, you're going to be messed up in your spiritual health. Just like in your physical body, there's certain classification of food that you have to put in your body in order for your body to be healthy. That's why you, you shouldn't let your children just eat all sweets. That's the most asinine thing to do. And your children, if you allow them, they'll eat candy all day long. Right? And when they're four and five, the teeth are rotting out. You can't let them just eat sweet all day long. Amen? You have to have a balanced diet if your body's going to be healthy and perform at its peak performance. You know, most, most college football programs now uh, have a person on staff that's a nutritionist that that gives the athletes healthy snacks and, and, and nutrients and stuff that they have to put into their bodies in order for their bodies to perform at peak performance. Because they know that it's not just working out and getting strong muscular-wise, but what you put into your body can fuel your body, or what you put in your body can make you feel sluggish. How many of y'all, when you eat sweets, it kind of makes you feel a little bit sluggish after you eat them? Anybody? Some of, some of you may make you a little sleepy when you eat it. See, what you put in your body is important. And so physically it's important, but it's also important spiritually. Is everybody still tracking with me? All right? So look down here. Uh, as we go, we say application is necessary for our lives because, let's look at a few points here, and then we're going to uh, move on forward, all right? So what we're trying to get to is the, the ultimate in our walk with the Lord is is when we have time in the Word, we observe the passage, we interpret it, uh, we correlate it, and then we begin to apply it. We begin to take what is said uh, in our personal time from the pulpit on Sundays and Wednesdays and our, in our discipling classes, and we take that and we, we say, whatever I learn, I'm going to seek to apply that in my life every day. Amen? All right, so watch this. So application is necessary because Number one, you can't really get to know the word of God unless you apply it to your life. In other words, uh, what we're going to discover is that uh, the more we show ourselves to be serious about wanting to do this, the more God is going to reveal his word to us, okay? If God, God knows if we are really serious or not. He knows if you're just coming out of obligation uh, because you, you, know, this, you feel like you got to do this or you, if you go home and one of the other spots will give you a hard time if you don't come. So you come out of obligation. God knows if you have a heart to really do the word that you're hearing. Okay? He knows He knows us. That's one thing about it. We can't hide from God. I know we think we do because sometimes we do stuff and we think God don't see us, but he does. The old folks who say he sits high and does what's him, he look low. He knows exactly uh, what we're into, what we're doing. So he knows our hearts and he knows if we truly want to do this stuff or not. So during his ministry, Jesus had a number of encounters with the religious leaders of his time. These were primarily the Pharisees, 
uh, who were the acknowledged scholars of the day, the scribes who were the legal and religious experts in Jewish law, and the Sadducees, the liberalizing element in Jewish society at the time. So on one occasion, the Sadducees, who did not believe in the resurrection from the dead, asked Jesus a trick question. And Jesus' answer is, is very interesting. Let's go to Matthew 22 right quick and look at it. Matthew 22. And they were trying to entrap Jesus. Y'all know the story, right? Let's go back there and look at it right quick. Glory to God. Verse number 20. Let's start at verse number 23. Matthew 22, verse number 23. You, really, you can't really get to know the word of God unless you apply it to your life. These Sadducees had an intellectual knowledge of the facts of the Jewish scripture but they did not apply these principles in a personal way. I want to caution you about just learning stuff so you can show your intellectual knowledge about the Bible and the scripture. There's a guy, I think I told you, a guy used to go around and want to see how many, who can quote the most scripture. What, what's that going to prove? Because you, you can memorize more scripture than I do. That don't mean that you are any more spiritual, any more uh, in tune with God because you memorize more scripture, okay? Watch what the text says. So, that same day, Jesus was approached by some Sadducees, religious leaders who say there is no resurrection from the dead. They posed this question. Let's read it. It says what? Teacher, Moses says, if a man dies without children, y'all remember this, his brother should marry the widow and have a child who would carry on the brother's name. Verse 25. Well, suppose there were seven brothers. The oldest one married and then died without children. So his brother married the widow. Next verse. But the second brother also died, and the third brother married her. This continued with all seven of them. 27 says what? Last of all, the woman also died. 28, let's go, says what? So tell us, whose wife will she be in the resurrection? Have you ever ran across these folks who are always trying to throw out some deep philosophical question? To, to try to trip you up as a believer. Uh, these, these Sadducees, first of all, the, the, again, think about this. I, I think I, when I preached this before, I told you, think about the hypocrisy of the question coming from them. Here's the hypocrisy of this question coming from them. They didn't even believe in the resurrection of the dead. But here they are asking Jesus about whose wife is she going to be in the resurrection? Look, look what, so tell us whose wife will she be in the resurrection for all seven were married to her. Now you, now you gotta know, you, you ought to know this. You Bible readers ought to know that, that, that you, you, listen, you can't, you, you, ain't, you ain't smart enough to get outsmart Jesus, okay? God knows more than all of us, okay? Watch this. Look, look at the next verse. Watch what Jesus says. It says what? Jesus replied, your mistake is that you don't know the scriptures. That was their mistake. They didn't know the scripture. He says, and you don't know the power of God with your old trifling self. I put that in there. He didn't put that in there, but I put it with your trifling self. You know you don't even believe in the resurrection. But look, watch this, watch this. In verse, verse 30, let's go. One more. For when the dead rise, there will need, there, they will neither marry nor be given in marriage in this respect, they will be like the angels, what? They will be like the angels in heaven. Verse 31, let's read it. It says what? 
But now, as to whether there will be a resurrection of the dead, haven't you ever read about this in the scriptures? Long after Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had died, God said, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. So he is the God of the living, not the dead. <laughs> now look at verse 33. When the crowds heard them, they said, ooh-wee, you bad, Jesus. <laughs> I mean, that, that's my interpretation. It says, when the crowds heard him, they were astonished at his teaching. These dudes were trying to trap Jesus, trying to, to, to mess him up, and Jesus messed them up by going to the scripture. He expounded on the scripture and let them know that there ain't no resurrection. There's no marrying or giving in marriage when we get to heaven. So, so some of y'all are going to be, some of y'all, I hope y'all get y'all mind ready. <laughs> it's going to be a different ram, a different, different, different way. Of, I, I don't, guys, one thing about it, we don't know all about how we're going to function. The Bible doesn't give us a total picture of that. But see, it doesn't matter to me because as long as I'm with Jesus, that song says, when I see Jesus, amen. I, listen, thank God for Mary, but when I see Jesus, I ain't going to be thinking about Mary. Mary. She, she's an angel like I am, so it's, it's, it's totally different. Call you and dogs going to be in a different realm. <laughs> it's going to be different. I don't know all about that, but all I know is I'm going to be with Jesus, amen, when this thing uh, comes to a head. So, so those guys were, were, they had no intention of really doing the word of God, so they, they were trying to use their intellect and their wisdom to try to trap Jesus. Now listen, if you study the word of God without applying it to your life, you're no better off than the Pharisees and the Sadducees of Jesus' day. You really don't know the scriptures until you put them into practice. Our ability and our understanding comes from the Holy Spirit. Go to 1 Corinthians right, right quick. 1 Corinthians, and I think it's chapter number 2. Um, First Corinthians chapter number two, uh, and let's start at verse, we'll start at verse, let's go to verse number one, verse number one. Again, observation of the text, who's writing? Who's he writing to? Church of Corinth. What was significant about this church at Corinth? What was going on with them? All kinds of stuff was going on. There was a church that was, that was, uh, that was born out of a, a decadent society. There's a lot of stuff going on in Corinth, but this church was, was, was carnal-minded. This church had a lot of worldliness in it because the people brought some stuff from the old way of life, Tiffany, over into the new life. The Corinthian church was born out of the city of Corinth, and Corinth was, I mean, it was like anything goes in Corinth. So these folks were, yeah, cesspool. I, I like a cesspool of sin, cesspool of sin. So they came out of that, and they still had some of that sin on them. How many of you know when you first come out of the world, you still got some of the world's sin on you? Your flesh still likes some of the stuff that it used to like, right? You brought some of that over into the new life with you. Is that right? And sometimes you got to fight your flesh. Are y'all listening to me? How many of y'all brought some old stuff into the new life? And you, 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 you got to surrender that thing to Jesus, right? Some old habits, some old way of thinking, okay? So, but watch this. He says this. When I first came to you, Paul is writing to the church of Corinth. He's writing to this, this, this worldly-minded church that had spiritual gifts flourishing, 
But yet still they were very carnal. They, they allowed sin to, to go unchecked and was not dealt with in the church. And guys, we have to deal with sin. That's, uh, open sin has to be dealt with in the church. Otherwise, it's going to cause the whole church to be ineffective because a little leaven, the Bible says, leavens the whole lump. A little sin going unchecked will, will spread throughout the church. So he says, when I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. Let's go verse 2. It says what? For I decided that while I was with you, I would, I would forget everything except what? Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. Verse 3. I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling. Verse 4, and my message and my preaching was very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. What Paul is saying is, Paul even said, he said, I'm not as eloquent as Apollos and some of these other preachers who can really make it go. But I, I'm just, I'm, I preach unadulterated truth. I, I, I'm not the most eloquent speaker. Paul may not have been the one you want to go uh, to the convention center to hear preach. All right? But he was solid. He was, he was consistent. And he was on point. And he was sold out to Jesus. He may not have, he may not have been the one to draw the big crowds, but he knew what he was talking about. So he says, I relied only on the, Holy, on the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 5, let's go. He says what? I did this so you would trust not in human wisdom. Go back up to the previous verse again. Let's, let's look at the previous verse. It says what now? And my message and my preaching were very, were very what? Plain. Do y'all think I'm plain sometimes? Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, that, that wasn't a trick question, okay? If you, <laughs> I, hope that I'm, I hope that I am plain. Because I would, listen guys, I would much rather you leave here saying, hmm, I don't know about that. Let me, let me go look that up. That Adams fellow said this. Hmm, man, I never saw it that way. Let me go and research that. I would rather you go away saying that and saying stuff like, hmm, you know, I got to change. Because I've, I've, I've been doing the exact opposite of what he just showed me in the scripture. I'd much rather you leave here saying that then leave it to my woo, yeah, boy. I tell you what, he really, he really. I mean, he, 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 he tore it down today. He had us shouting, woo, little Lord Jesus. Pastor got excited. How many of you know you can get excited and not say nothing? Just excited. I don't listen. It's great if you get excited. The word ought to excite you. But I would rather you leave here thinking, how can I? Take that passage of scripture that he preached from. He exegeted that text, told me how to change this thing around based on what the word of God says. How do I apply this in my life? That's what I want you to leave here thinking, okay? Because it's not all about just having a good time. There are times that we need to be exhorted, but there's times that we need to be taught. I believe that the church is suffering because of a lack of good biblical preaching and teaching. Amen? So let's keep moving. All right. So it says, I did this so that you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. Trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. Verse number six, let's go. It says what? Yet when I'm among mature believers. Now watch, watch what Paul says. Paul says, now while I'm with you now, I got to speak kind of plain. I got, because remember, they were baby Christians, right? I think y'all may have missed that. Notice what he says here. Yet when I'm among mature believers, 
I do speak with words of wisdom, but not the kind of wisdom that belongs to this world or to the rulers of this world who are soon forgotten. Every historical figure, at some point in time, the longer they're dead, we're going to stop celebrating them as much. I mean, we may have a day for them, we reflect back on them, but, but, but even now, when President's Day come around, we don't, we don't see necessarily a whole bunch of specials on Abraham Lincoln. I mean, though he, although he's a historical figure, but he's been dead a long, longer time than some of the most recent presidents or most recent historical figures that we celebrate. You follow me? So at some point in time, you, you know, people are going to uh, uh, stop talking about you. On your jobs, when you first retired, what they said, we don't know how we're going to go on without you. I, and they're still going on, aren't they? So now you, you can soak all that in if you want to and believe that you're the best thing since sliced light bread and the company going to fold and the apartment going to go to hell in the handbags because you're not there. Let me tell you something. Somebody else going to come along and take your place. Are you tracking with me? Okay. And they told you we're going to go to lunch every month. That lasted about three months and then it faded. Look at what Paul is saying here, guys. He says, yeah when, I'm a, when, yeah, yeah, when I'm among mature believers, I do speak the words of wisdom, but not the kind of wisdom that belongs to this world or to the rulers of this world who are soon forgotten. Verse number seven says what? No, the wisdom we speak is the mystery of God, his plan that was previously hidden, even though he made it for our ultimate glory before the world began. Verse eight, we got to keep moving. He says what? But the rulers of this world have not understood it. If they had, they would not have crucified our glorious Lord. If they understood that by crucifying Jesus, you and I would be sitting here on a Wednesday night, studying the Bible, learning how to, to live a productive life, they would not have done that. But see, they didn't understand the wisdom of God. Satan thought that he was cutting off the master. But the master just laid down his life so that you and I could be here today in fellowship, amen, and in the body of Christ. Aren't you glad that we serve a God who's wise, all-knowing, has ultimate knowledge? Can, can we keep moving? Look at the next verse. It says what? That is what the scriptures mean when they say, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Let's keep reading. It says what? But it was to us that God revealed these things how? How? How did, he, how did he reveal these things? By his spirit. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us how we're going to understand God's deep secrets. By the spirit. Come on, let's move. I got to go. It says what? No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. So verse 12 says this. Let's read. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. 13, where I'm, I'm parking at. When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the spirit, using the spirit's words to explain what? Spiritual truth. Verse 14 for good measure, okay? 
So it's, we use the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truth. The Holy Spirit is the one that gives us revelation knowledge. Not our doctoral degree. Now, nothing wrong with education, guys, and nothing wrong with learning, and nothing wrong with trying to grasp how to study the Bible, nothing wrong with taking a course. You ought, we, ought, we ought to do all those things. They enlighten us. But ultimately, what I'm trying to tell you is don't trust in your education. Don't trust in your own preparation. Don't even trust in your own time with God. Trust in the Holy Spirit who reveals God's truths to us because no one knows the spirit of man except that man's spirit that's in them, right? No one truly knows, amen, what's going on inside of you unless you reflect it through your outly bodily expression. No one really knows what you're thinking right now. You could be thinking something that's devilish. Right now. You could be thinking something that's godly. Right now, you could be thinking, I want to know more about you, Jesus. Or you could be thinking, I want to know how long he's going to keep going because I got some pot of beans on at home and I need to go check on them. I don't know what you're thinking right now, but your spirit does. You know. You know if you're really paying attention or not. You know if, you've, if you're grasping what I'm saying. Just like that, no one knows God's spirit, what God is thinking except his spirit, his Holy Spirit does. So that's why we ask him to fill us with his Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit gives us revelation knowledge. Don't trust in your intellect. That's what I'm saying. Get all, get all you can, but don't trust in it. But people who aren't spiritual, watch this, can't receive these truths from God's spirit. It all sounds foolish to them and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual, watch this. For only those who are what? Say it again. For only those who are what? Spiritual can understand what the spirit means. So that means that so, so people who are, who, are, who are not spirit-minded can't receive God's truth. So uh, that'll save you a lot of arguing with your family members and others. Uh, people who aren't spirit-minded aren't going to understand this stuff. So I, I, listen, I'm not going to spend my time, uh, uh, you know, if somebody wants to try to learn, I'm gonna, I'll break open the book and share with them. But first of all, I want to see where you stand with Jesus. Because if you ain't saved, your understanding is not going to come because the understanding from the scripture comes by the Holy Spirit. So if you're not saved, you don't have God's Holy Spirit. So how are you going to understand it? So, so some of y'all spend needless time bickering back and forth with people when they, it's, the Bible explicitly says, for only those who are spiritual can understand what the spirit, what, means, all right? All right? Uh, so we're going to stop right there. Uh, but, but again, look, look, look back at your outline real quickly, okay? So you can't really get to know the word of God unless you apply it to your life. So if I'm not applying God's word, then my ability to understand God's word is going to be hindered. Number two, studying the word of God can be dangerous if you just study it without applying it. What do you mean by that, Pastor? Well, Bible said it without application can be dangerous because knowledge will puff up. Go to 1 Corinthians 8 and 1. Knowledge will puff up. If you're just studying this stuff and not doing any other stuff, you, you get a little high-minded. I quote all 66 books of the Bible. The longest Psalm in one, Psalm 119, I know it by heart. <laughs> don't, 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 listen, don't get puffed up. Have y'all ran across? I don't. Maybe y'all don't get out enough. Maybe y'all. Maybe y'all. You know. Maybe I've sheltered you all. And I don't. You know. But if you, if you get around enough people, you if you widen your circle a little bit, you go run into these kind of people who are, are super spiritual, and they are prideful about their super spirituality, 
And guys, you, you, listen, I thank God for people who, uh, who are humble. I thank God for people who understand that it's not about them, it's not about your title, but it's about Jesus Christ, our Lord. I thank God for a group of people who understand that. Every church don't have that. Now, I'm not saying that that, 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 that spirit doesn't rise up every now and then. Uh, but, but I think what happens is when you teach a certain way and when you share a certain way, those spirits can't hang out around here very long because they'll get restless. They're, they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna get, you know, they're going to soon figure out that, I, you know, I tried to press my way, fight my way, get in front, and, and, and it, that, that, it, that spirit doesn't work around here. Because if you press pushing yourself and not Jesus, I'm concerned about you. I love you, but I'm concerned about you, okay? Now watch what the text says. Now regarding your question about food that has been offered to idols, yes, we know that we all have knowledge about this issue, but while knowledge makes us feel important, it is love that does what? Say it again. It's what that's... It's love that strengthens the church. Go to the King James Version in verse number one there. Go to KJV. I like the way it reads there. Thank you so much, my brother. Now, as touching things offered unto idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge does what? Puff it up, but charity or love does what? Edifies. It builds up. When you, when you are just running on knowledge, you think knowledge, you, 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 you're superior in knowledge, it'll puff you up with pride, okay? Or oh, y'all listen to me. The Greek word translated puffs, puffs up contains the idea of being inflated with pride that in turn leads to arrogance, okay? How many of y'all know some arrogant Christians, some arrogant preachers, some arrogant deacons, some arrogant members of certain churches? Guys, I don't want us to ever become a church that, that, that thinks of ourselves more highly or think of ourselves as better than anybody else. We, we, we won't carry that spirit around here, okay? We, 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 cannot, we cannot afford to do that. And I, there, there were some churches back in the day that used to carry that, that spirit, and it was sickening because they thought, they literally thought that we, we were teaching ministry. This is when teaching ministry was first coming in vogue. They, they, they were so arrogant that they, 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 they repelled people rather than drawing people. Just because you know a little something more than somebody else don't mean that, that you're better than anybody else. And the way you carry yourself and the way, and, and the way you walk in that knowledge is going to determine whether or not you're walking in pride and arrogance. Knowledge does what puffs up. But charity does what? Edifies. It builds up. Yeah, look at verse 2. And if any man think that he knoweth anything, he knoweth nothing yet as he ought to know. But if any man love God, the same is known of him. Okay. Uh, look at verse 4, just for good marriage. I'm going to throw this in. As concerning, therefore, the eating of those things that are offered in sacrifice unto idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world and that there is none other God but one. For though there be that are, that are called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as there be gods many and lords many, but to us there is but one God, one Father of whom all, are all things, and we are in him, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, by whom all things and we by him. Howbeit there is not in every man that knowledge, for some with conscience of the idol uh, of the idol unto this hour eat it as a thing offered unto an idol, and their conscience being weak is defiled. But meat commended us not to God, 
For neither if we eat are we the better, neither if we eat not are we the worse. But take heed lest by any means this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them of the week. Can we read that from the New, New Living Translation right quick? Uh, if you flip back um, to verse number seven, what, what has happened here? There were people who, who in the church of Corinth understood that there were, you know, all of the, the sacrifices that were brought to the altar uh, to be sacrificed to idol gods, all that meat wasn't used. So what they would do is they would take that meat and go to the marketplace with the meat and sell it, okay? And so, so somebody invited you to dinner over their house uh, and they had some of this meat that had been offered on the idol, it, 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 they could be offended when you offered it to them because it was, it, was, it was really culturally unacceptable for somebody to invite you to dinner and you not eat what they put before you. But if somebody's put food that had been offered on the idol and you know that, it violates your conscience. Look what Paul told him. He says, however, not all believers know this. Some, not all believers know what? That, that there ain't no real God but the true living God. And so they really, you know, we talk about meat off of the idols. They ain't, they, there's no other God but God. So basically what Paul told him in another spot and even here, he says, you, really, you can eat it if you want to. But now watch what he says. Some are accustomed to thinking of idols as being real. So when they eat food that has been offered to idols, they think of it as the worship of real gods. And their weak consciences are violated. Verse number eight says what? Watch this. It's true that we can't win God's approval by what we eat. We don't lose anything if we don't eat it, and we don't gain anything if we do. Verse 9 says what? It says, but you must be careful so that your freedom does not cause others with a weaker conscience to stumble. In other words, there are sometimes we have liberty to do stuff, but, but don't do it because you're in the presence of a weaker brother who think it's wrong to do it. That's exactly what he's saying. Some stuff, some things we got liberty to do. Now, if there's somebody who's old school, who, who really believe that washing your car on Sunday is going to send you to hell, I don't care how dirty my car is. If I know they believe that, that they're a guest in my house, in order to keep from offending them, I'm going to wait till Monday to wash my car. But I know I can wash it, and they ain't going to send me to hell. Some of y'all look at me like, what are you talking about, Pastor? Y'all don't remember when it was a sin to wash your car on Sunday? Yeah, yeah, you, you could, you, no, no ironing, no, no, no nothing. But I got liberty. But I'm not going to lose my liberty as an occasion of the flesh to call my weaker brother to stumble. Just because you got a right to do something don't mean that you, you need to do it. Are y'all still with me? All right. Um, look at verse 10 just for good measure. I, I, I hate, um, we'll, 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 we'll pick up on next week. For if, if others see you, with your superior knowledge, come on now, eating in the temple of an idol, won't they be encouraged to violate their conscience by eating food that has been offered to an idol? Look at verse 11. Let's go. It says what? So because of your superior knowledge, a weak believer for whom Christ died will be destroyed. That's why, I, I'm going to just throw this out. You know, you, you <laughs> sometimes, you know, just use some wisdom. Because I, as a pastor, have to use some wisdom. Um, you know, I, I could, you know, I could, uh, and this is no knock on anybody, I could go to the casinos and eat at their restaurant, and I got liberty to do that. But I choose not to. 
All right, because I don't want my liberty, my liberty to be used as an occasion of the stumbling block to maybe a weaker brother who may see me coming out of there. And I, I know you may say, well, Brother Pastor, that's, that's real silly. But no, uh, it, it may not be. And so I choose not to simply because uh, I don't want to be a stumbling block. I mean, I could go to Thrifty Liquor and buy a Coke. Don't they sell Cokes up in there? A Sprite or something? And I could come out here. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, but Pastor, you know, I'm dead in the water, Pastor, on that one. I just, I just, I, ain't, I use my liver as a cage in the flesh on that one, Pastor. <laughs> but, but I could come out there with a, with a, a, a Coke in a, in a, in a, in a yummy on brown paper bag. Somebody know what I'm talking about. Daddy, you know what I'm talking about. How many? They still, they still have those little bags. I know I'm being a little facetious. I know I'm, I'm, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but, but I want you to understand. See, when, when Paul was talking to this church here at Corinth, this was a real significant issue. And so, so, so what he's saying is that really you can eat it because whether you eat it or not, it ain't going to make you any closer to God. Because those, those, those false gods, those idol gods aren't real gods in the first place. But if, if I know I got somebody who has a weak conscience, a weak believer, then in order to keep from destroying that weak believer, I won't eat that meat that's been offered an idol. Okay? Y'all follow me? So in other words, sometimes you may have a liberty to do some stuff, but don't do it because of how it may affect another brother. Okay? So because of your superior knowledge, a weak believer for whom Christ died will be destroyed. Verse number 12, final one says, and when you sin against other believers, watch this, by encouraging them to do something they believe is wrong, you sin against Christ. Look at what it says. And when you sin against other believers by encouraging them, oh, come on, man, you can, you can drink. You, come on, you can get drink a little bit. You know, the Bible says, Timothy, you Drink a wine so your stomach. You ain't getting drunk. All right, but what is that doing to that weak brother? So he says, when you sin against other believers by encouraging them to do something that they believe is wrong, you are sinning against Christ. Okay? Now, this, 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 so studying the word of God can be dangerous if you just study it without applying it. So, in other words, when we have knowledge, it puffs up. Again, go, go to the, the, the next page. Because the, the Bible tells us that the devil knows the word intellectually, and, and we also know that he is puffed up with pride and arrogance, right? We saw that he, he tried to use Scripture to trip Jesus. Now, that, how are you going to trip the word with the word? He tried, to, he tried to do, listen to me, he tried to do what he did to the first Adam. But see, the second Adam is a whole different, is a whole different level, baby. Adam in the garden is known as the first Adam. Jesus is known as what? The second Adam. He tried to use the same trick that he did on Adam's wife. Yea, hath God said. When he came and, and tempted Jesus in the wilderness, he kept coming to him. But every time Jesus said what? It is what? Written. Jesus knew the scripture. He was the word. You can't trick the word with the word. He is the word. That's, that's who he is. Are y'all listening to me? So when you correctly apply the word of God to your life, you eliminate the danger of being puffed up with pride. So, number B, not, not letter B, <laughs> number B, wow. Bible study without application can be dangerous because knowledge requires action. What a man knows 
should be fleshed out in what he does. Go to, go to, if you will, go to Matthew the seventh chapter, verse 24 through 27, real quickly. Matthew the seventh chapter, verse 24 says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. This is Jesus talking. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock. 25 says what? Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on what? Bedrock. It's on solid footing, solid ground. 26 says what? But anyone who hears my teaching and ignores it is foolish like a person who builds a house on sand. Do you not realize that foundation of a house is critical to the house standing? You can't just, you know, ignore the foundation and have beautiful brick and all this stuff. Pretty soon that thing is going to start cracking, it's going to start sinking, and you ain't going to have nothing. Anyone who hears my teaching and ignores it is foolish like a person who builds a house on the sand. 27 says what? Uh, when the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash, okay? So, again, we're still talking about the fact that we got to be doers of this word and not hearers only. Is that correct? Be doers of this word and not just hearers only because when we do that, we are, we're in, in a position where God uh, cannot bless us like he wants to. Go to Psalms 119, verse 59 and 60. So Bible study without application can be dangerous because knowledge requires action. When I know something, then it's, it's, it's incumbent upon me to do it. Psalms 119, verse number 59. I pondered the direction of my life and I turned to follow your laws. Verse 60 says what? I will hurry without delay to obey your commands. I will hurry without delay to obey your commands. You know, the Bible says this. To him who knoweth to do good, and do it or not, it is sin. That's called a sin of omission. In other words, I didn't do something, but I still sinned. Because I knew I should have did it, but I didn't do it. There are sins of what? Commission, which I go and do something I know I shouldn't do. And there are sins of omission, uh, when I don't do what I know I should have done. So you can sit there and sin. Hello? Without, without moving a muscle, you can sin. See, guys, we got to realize that, that, that uh, God is holding us responsible for the word that we know. Go to James 4 and 17. 4 and 17. James 4 and 17. Glory to God. Bible study without application can be dangerous because knowledge increases responsibility. Here's, what I, here's what, I, what I was referencing a while ago. Remember, it is, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then don't do it, and then not do it. It is sin. Can you read it together? It says what? Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do, then not do it. Now, I, I got to ask you a very pointed question as, as we wind this thing down tonight. Have you ever been sitting here in church and you know there is something that has been taught and it's resonating in your spirit and God was dealing with your heart about it and you know that you didn't do what was taught. Yeah, I think all of us have. All of us have. There, there are things that, that have been taught, and we know it's, it's, it's in line with God's word, but we, we didn't do it. It's not that we went and committed something that we, 
one of the thou shalt not, but one of the things that thou shalt do, we didn't do what it said thou shalt do when we knew what it said for us to do. Sin of what? Omission. All right? So look, at, look, look down with me. Uh, application enables us to operate our lives in the power of the Holy Spirit. So as we apply the truth, the Spirit of God is supernaturally at work within us. Before Christ left this earth, he commissioned his disciples to go into all the world and spread his truth. And you can see that in Luke, uh, in, the, in the gospel according to Luke. Now, uh, number four, and we're going to stop here. Both the Old Testament and New Testament exhort us to do so, to do the word. We need to apply the commands of Scripture so we can become obedient followers of Christ. We're not supposed to be blind, passive followers. We're to be obedient, active followers. So that's, that's critically important. When, when a principle or a truth, a command or a precept is, is shown to us in the scripture, we have to make up our minds to do what it says. Now, that means there are going to be some times you have to overcome your flesh. You've got to overcome some of your traditional or family origin way of thinking about stuff and, um, uh, and do what the word of God says. You know, uh, sometimes you may come up with a family that tells you, you know, yeah, I don't know, uh, has a way of thinking that goes in contrast to what the word of God is saying. And so you got to decide if, if what mama told me is going to take precedent or is what the Jesus Christ told me is going to take precedent. Okay. Uh, we'll have first place and first authority. When we, when we submit our heart to Jesus and decide that what Jesus Christ tells me and what I learn, I don't care how it feels. Y'all hear me say it all the time. Do the word of God and let your feelings catch up. If I know what the word says, I can't, I can't operate based on how I feel if I'm going to please God. You know, we said, we talked about something to be still and know. Know, know what the word says. Know, know what God's word says and act on what you know, not on what you feel. Act on what you know and not on what you feel. It does not feel good at the time that you're really mad at somebody to pray for those who despitefully use you, does it? But guess what? That's what the word of God says. So I can't be sitting there uh, trying to curse you when the Bible told me to pray for you. So, so I can't, even though I don't feel like it, even though I'm still angry, I got to pray. Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to obey what the word says and let my feelings catch up to that. Because if I do the word long enough, then my feelings got to line up because feet is a part of my soul realm. But if my spirit realm and my, and my, um, and my soul realm are connected together, then it's going to make the body do what it needs to do. They're going to double team the body and say, body, yeah, you're going over there and you're going to pray for that person. Yeah, you're going over there and you're going to give them some money like I told you to. Okay? Because we got to make sure that we, as born-again believers, let the word take precedent over how we feel. Amen? All right. So what we're going to do, we'll pick up on next week and, and finish this out. Uh, we'll look at the four steps to practical application on next week. And we'll close out this strategy for word time. And uh, I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to encourage you to, 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 to set aside a, a, a time where you get along with the Lord. Uh, put that in your schedule. schedule.